Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I don't think I'm alone in this, but you can correct me later if it, if I am incorrect. But there are times that I probably would suggest that you, as well as myself, have uh, gotten angry with somebody. Maybe it's a schoolmate. Maybe it's our spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, mom or dad. And sometimes I'll go to work and I'll say, that wasn't right. And I get, I'm upset and I stew over it through the day. And I try to think of, well, I, I, I write a brief. You know, I'm, I'm like making my arguments. I'm writing them down in my mind. Here's what I'm going to say. And here's, this is another thing. And this wasn't right either. And so I, I've got this, when I get home, you know, we're going over this stuff. I have a case that I'm going to win. And, and I come home and I'm ready to give all that. And I'm met at the door with, you know about this morning, I'm sorry about that. Oh, you just stole my thunder. You know, I had so much to say and, and I can't say any of it now because I was greeted with a soft answer and it just diffuses the situation. I want to talk about how we are, how, well, how do we do that? And how do we get good at that? Because that's what the, the Lord wants us to do. As disciples of Jesus Christ, it, it, it's our aim to be more and more like Jesus. And that's not a small task because Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. And so when I'm trying to be a disciple of him, I understand I'm never going to reach the, the, the mark, the perfection that he set. But I do want to get better at thinking like him and behaving like him and uh, speaking like him. And that's what brings us to Proverbs chapter 15 and, and verse 1 this morning. There needs to be a transformation in the way we talk. Uh, when we obey the gospel and decide to follow Jesus, it, it affects every part of our being. And part of it is our speech. Now, we know from James chapter 3 that the tongue is an unruly member. And boy, it, it can set the world on fire. It, it can cause so many problems. And so it's a challenge for us to, well, speak like Jesus. And so I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1 this morning. I want to do two things. I want to look at how uh, a couple considerations with regard to this passage and then uh, a few suggestions as to how to incorporate this and do what this verse says. Um, a couple considerations, first of all. Let's talk about the nature of Proverbs just to begin with real quickly. Proverbs are general truths. And with any general truth, there are exceptions to those general truths. You see, the Bible is written communication and like all communication, there, there are genres of communication. There are genres of writing. There, there are parts in this Bible that are law, that are legislative. There are parts that are poetic. There are parts that are narrative. There are parts that um, are prophetic and apocalyptic. There, there are parts that, well, are proverbs. They all read differently. 
If you try to read them flat and treat them all the same, uh, you'll, you'll wind up in, in some wrong places. When I fail to understand that Proverbs are Proverbs, general truths, I, I get myself into difficulty and I begin to doubt whether God's really truthful. And, and whether I can keep his word. For instance, turning your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3. Just look at a couple examples for you before we get started. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 2. Uh, verse, verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So if you die young, you didn't keep the laws of God. Is that a fair conclusion? Well, no. There are things that happen to people that are in the prime of their life and in their youth and and they're doing their best to serve the Lord and they're good people and they don't have a long life. But I thought Proverbs said, well, it does. But as a general truth, doesn't mean it's always going to work that way. There, there are things that happen. But generally speaking, you obey the God, uh, God of heaven and you live within his laws and his parameters. And boy, you avoid so many things that would take your life prematurely. That's a general truth. Turn in the passage here in, in Proverbs chapter uh, 22. Um, if we look at Proverbs 22 and verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Oh, so if I see a person that's poor, they don't honor the Lord. It says if you want to be rich and and have honor and have life, you're a person who is humble and you fear the Lord. Always? No. Exceptions to that rule. Some people are poverty stricken and they love and honor the Lord. It, it, but, but, uh, that's a general truth. Um, look at Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Uh, always the case? Or are there exceptions to that? Is that a proverb? Um, and then you can even go on down to, um, Verse 11, he who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, oh, the king will be his friend. Really? The the ruler is going to be your friend because you're a good, pure person? Sometimes good, pure persons become the enemies of rulers. Um, But so understand as we get into this that what we're talking about in Proverbs 15 and verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's a proverb. It's a general truth for which there are exceptions. Um, a second consideration that I want us to make before I get into, well, how do we do this, is Jesus. It's disturbing to me when I hear people use Jesus as an excuse to sin. Isn't that absurd? But I hear it all the time. You see, I I see it on Facebook and and I see it in discussions that people have. I've read it through debates. And here's what happens and here's what we do. We talk so ugly to each other sometimes. 
We, our speech is so hate-filled and, and, um, just sharp and cutting and sarcastic. And whenever anybody calls a person on that and says, well, you shouldn't really talk about that. Hey, don't you know that Jesus used this kind of talk? I'm not being, you're just being too polite. You need to learn something about Jesus. Jesus just tore the hide off of folks sometimes. Matthew 23. Turn your Bible to Matthew 23. And, and let's take a look at how Jesus sometimes talked to people. In Matthew 23, beginning in verse 23, Jesus begins a section, uh, a section wherein he pronounces several woes upon the scribes and Pharisees. And he begins in verse 23 and says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Calls them hypocrites. I don't know very many people that like to be called a hypocrite. Verse 24, you blind guides calls them blind. They can't even see. He, he, call, he says in verse 27 again, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He, he says in uh, verse uh, 33, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Wow, strong words. Jesus says, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. You're a bunch of blind guides. You can't see past the end of your nose. You're snakes in the grass. That's what you are. And you're headed for hell. See, it's all right to be mean and ugly to people. Jesus was. You know, it's bad enough when I go back and I read things like uh, Genesis chapter 3, where God calls Adam into question and says, why'd you do what you did? And he said, well, God... That woman you gave me, tried to blame it on her. God turns to Eve and says, Eve, explain yourself. Well, it was the serpent. She blames, she puts the blame. You know, we look at that and we say, boy, that's really immature and, and that's shameful. You know, just not owning up to your own mistakes and trying to pawn it off on somebody else. Well, if the height of that is when folks today say, ugly, nasty, hate-filled things to other people and then excuse it on the basis of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Did Jesus talk pretty straightforward to these folks in Matthew 23? Yes, he did. But let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what kind of men they were. On a number of occasions in, in, um, Mark as well as in Luke, Mark 2 and verse 8, Luke 6 and verse 8, the, the text explicitly says that Jesus knew what they were thinking. That's the difference between me and Jesus. That's the difference between Jesus and you. You don't know what people were thinking. You don't know their heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul, when talking about inspiration and how can we know the mind of God, he says, well, you can't unless the Spirit reveals it to you. And how can you know the things of a man save the Spirit of the man tells you? You can't. You might think you're a good guesser and a good judge of character, but at the end of the day, you do not know what is in their hearts. Jesus did we don't. So Jesus, I can understand, he called a spade a spade. He knew exactly what they were and his identification was dead on. 
but I don't know people's hearts. And so that places me under a different set of rules than it did Jesus. From the standpoint of 1 Corinthians 13, I need to treat people with love. And love tells us to believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. I've got to believe the best. And that's the way I operate. And so trying to use Jesus as an excuse to be ugly... Boy, that is so off mark. Um, don't, don't drag Jesus down to that level. And don't excuse your lack of self-control and the sharpness of your tongue. Don't try to blame that on Jesus. All right, those are the considerations that I wanted to get out of the way. Now, let's talk about this. How can I learn to answer softly? What can I do to get better at this so that I can be more like My Lord, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Let me give you about four or five suggestions that will help us. First thing is, um, pick your battles. You know, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 30 says, Do not strive with a man without a cause. That's pretty good advice. Don't stick your nose in another person's business. Don't go running looking for trouble. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we bring it all on ourselves. We, we look for ways and people and, and we, we seek out and, and especially, man, social media throws so much in our face. And, and sometimes we read it with like, okay, who am I going to respond to today? Who am I going to set straight? And, and so then we go through and we, then we, we do it. Don't, don't pick unnecessary fights with people. The, the, the Bible says, you know, in, in, uh, Proverbs chapter three in verse 30 that, uh, that's something you don't want to do. I think of uh, somebody heard, I heard somebody say one time, you know, you don't have to attend every fight you're invited to. And I think that's pretty good advice. Um, you don't have to engage. Let some things ride. Parents, pick your battles. We understand that. Why we don't want to go around constantly every day just showing you know every little thing and, and calling it to attention and and sometimes we just let some things ride because they're not important enough for the conflict and and we focus on other things. Same thing with our interaction with other people. Choose your battles. Choose them wisely. You don't have to always engage. Here's a second thing that might help us. And that is to wait before you speak. James 1, 19, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Notice that. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. For a number of years now, and I don't do it perfectly, but for a number of years now, I have had kind of a rule for myself that I have self-imposed upon myself and that rule is I don't answer people the same day that I get something that kind of gets under my skin. Um, because it's just too easy to write down real quickly and then hit that sin button. 
and we feel better and we said what we we're going to say until tomorrow. And then we're saying, why did I say that? That wasn't very kind. That was unnecessary. All I've done is exasperate the situation. Sometimes we, we need to just slow down and, and wait before we think. I, I have had to offer many apologies when I've broken my rule because I didn't wait. I, I let the heat of the moment get to me and I said things that I never would have said had I given it more deliberation. So before you speak, take the advice of James. Listen to people and don't, don't just listen to people and respond slowly. Listen to that advice. It's good advice. It'll help us to offer a softer answer. Um, sometimes I'll go ahead and write what I'm going to say and, and I don't send it. And I come back in, I read it the next day, and I think, are you kidding me? I would never send that. But I was going to 24 hours earlier. It's just not uh, what I would want to do 24 hours later. So use good judgment. Do what James says and wait before you speak. Here's a third thing that we can do. Speak the truth in love. Listen, there is, Ephesians 4 verse 15 tells us to speak the truth in love. Colossians says, season your speech with salt. Our goal is not just to speak the truth. Our goal is to speak the truth in a way that it changes people. In a way that brings them closer to Christ. I don't want to just get something said to beat somebody over the head. I want to get something said in a way that that resonates with them and they decide to change because of it. There are things that we can say that they can be totally truthful, but deep down we know they're truthful, but it gives me an opportunity, you know, to twist that knife. Oh, I know that had to hurt. I got them on that one. Oh, what I said was true, but boy, was that, I've seen it happen. I've been on the receiving end of that before, and I've been on the giving end of that before. My intent wasn't really to help a person see truth. I was wanting to wound a person with that truth. Speak the truth in love. What we have to say, we should be saying in an effort to bring a person closer to Jesus. Here's another thing. Remember this truth that hurt people hurt people. I've told you this before, but a few years ago, and that'll tell you about how long it was, I was jogging one night and I took my dog with me and we were, we'd gotten about a quarter of a mile from the house and a car came around a turn and hit my dog and ran over my dog and my dog was alive in the middle of the street. I could see that its leg was broken. It ended up having a broken hip and it was just uh, an ordeal getting that dog well eventually. But I went over to pick the dog up and that dog bit me when I picked it up. Because it was hurting. 
and, and I was adding more pain and, and it, it, it lashed out at me. Now, what did I do when my dog bit me? My dog would never bite me, but it did on this occasion. It bit me. What did I do? Did I get back to the house and roll up a newspaper and, and go to town? You know, but that dog, it'll never bite me again. I, I can't believe that. Well, of course not. I understood the dog was hurting and it was acting out of character. If I can understand that with my dog and have patience with my dog, then should I not all the more have patience with people and with my brethren? You know why some people are harsh and critical and speak sometimes with almost, uh, you know, a, a cutting that cuts you to your soul. You, you know why they are like that? Oftentimes because they're hurting. And what we sometimes do is give it right back to them. And that's the last thing they need. When my dog bit me, he didn't want, didn't need to be disciplined by me. I understood and when people react and, and, and hurt us, maybe it would be helpful to us to remember that hurt people hurt people. And probably there's something behind that unwarranted attack. And the last thing they need is more problem. What they need for me to do is to be compassionate, and show love, and to reach out to them and try to help them and become their friend. Um, that will help us to fulfill this statement in Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Here's another one. Agree with your adversary. Matthew 5, verse 25. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a problem with somebody, well, agree with them quickly. And, and so that, uh, you know, it brings it into your problems. If you don't agree quickly, then oftentimes things escalate and get much worse for you. Um, agree with your adversary. Are there times in your life when it's, you agree and when you do, you just take people off balance? They, they don't expect it. Um, I, I, I had um, worked really hard pictorial directories. I, I used to be in charge of those. Those are nightmares. Um, and, and I, I would, uh, you know, I worked and we had all these groups at church getting pictures and, and I was trying to arrange every group at a certain time and stuff. And we had this group picture taken of Bible classes. Every teacher showed up except for one. She didn't get the message. Oh, you wouldn't believe how I got talked to over that mistake. Everybody knew except for that one. And boy, I just, I just got, you know, sized up and I was called everything under the sun and how, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing and how hurtful that was and, and just on and on and on. I could feel it building up. You know, I'm, I'm wanting to cut loose with a few things of my own to say. But on that occasion, I was able to muster, on that occasion, I was able to muster the strength and say, you know, you're right, I could have done that better. Bam. It's over. You know, I, I, he was shocked, stunned when he 
like he's expecting more fight to come, you know, and, and it's over and we're not fighting. And what, what are you going to say to that? I agreed with him. We're done. Now I went home and stewed for a little while after that, but, um, as far as we were concerned, it, it, it was over with. Sometimes the best course of action is just to agree. Were there things that I could have done better? Yes, there were. There, he was right about that. Had I done a lot and, and had I done a lot of things that he should have shown maybe appreciation for and had understanding, well, yeah, but that's not what we were talking about. He said, I could have done better, and he was right. So I agreed, and then it was done. Agree with your adversary. Follow the advice of Jesus. And one other suggestion, and that is maintain humility. There, uh, let me give you an example of what I'm saying. James 4, verse 10, tells us that we're to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift us up. Humility is seen by other people. There's an impact that you have in the lives of other people when you show yourself to be humble. When you stand toe-to-toe with somebody, giving and taking, that doesn't resonate with a lot of folks. I would much rather see a person humbly say, I'm not going to engage in this kind of stuff. Even when he could defend himself, he doesn't. There were times in the Old Testament when Moses was so discouraged by the people and he could have had a comeback and he could have called God to rain down fire from heaven on him. And he just fell on his face and showed humility. A number of years ago, we had an incident occur. Sometimes things happen in churches that you would never dream would happen. They don't prepare you for things like this in preacher and his work. And uh, we were closing services, an elder had gotten up to the pulpit, and he said, um, thanks for being here, and, you know, the closing remarks, and he said, uh, we're going to dismiss with a prayer in just a minute, uh, if unless anybody has any further comments. Man stood up in the auditorium and proceeded to give 10 minutes worth of comments that he had, which amounted to um, accusations against the elders, accusations against me, and uh, just just a barrage of hate-filled speech. And as he was going on and saying all this stuff, and the whole church was just like, oh, you know, and, and everybody was listening to him as he just went on and on and on. I, I happened to be sitting on the front pew right there, not here. Uh, sorry, <laughs> people uh, begin to wonder. But I was sitting on the front pew, and I whispered to the elder that was standing at the pulpit, and his jaw was, you know, just like, wow. And I said, when he finishes, ask him to lead us in a closing prayer and to pray for us. And so he said, uh, he nodded, and when this guy got done with this barrage where he just really went to town, he said, he thanked him for his remarks, and he said, 
Um, if all that you said is true, we have a lot of work that we need to do, a lot of improvements that need to be made. And I'd like to ask you, if you would, to, to pray for us um, in light of what you just shared. And the man said, I'm not praying for you. Well, he showed himself. Uh, had that elder gotten in a back and forth thing with him and they started defending themselves and, and started trying to, you know, that wouldn't have resonated nearly as much. The, the, tr- the, the party that was in the right might have blend, been blurred a little. But because he took a humble approach and just said, pray for me. And that other man's refusal to do so showed everybody there who really had the proper heart in that situation. Humility goes a long way. To be able to just simply say, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, you, you win people. You might not win a conversation, you might not win a debate, but you win people with a humble heart. And so as we come to a conclusion in this lesson, I just want this to be a reminder to you that we, we do, we struggle with the tongue. James said, you know, we can bridle it, but uh, no man has tamed it. We're going to struggle with it. It's a lifelong thing that we have to do. But as a disciple, I want to do it well. I want to get better at it. I want to be able to speak better than I did 10 years ago. I want to respond to people in a more Christ-like way today than I did a year ago. And if I'm to do that, I need to take the advice of Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. If... um, And and let me say this too. This is not just simply an exercise in discipleship. It's more than just a, a lesson on the tongue. Heaven and hell hang in the balance for people. This is a, this is a lesson on how to reach people and bring them to Jesus. Because if I don't respond as I should, and if I stir anger in people as I talk to them, they're not going to listen. And they're going to maybe miss heaven because of my response. This isn't just about discipleship or putting into a discipline, a discipline into a practice. This is about helping people to see Jesus. And so it demands our best. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God. Um, obey the gospel. Jesus has invited all of us to turn from our sins, to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And if we will do that, he said, I'll forgive you. You'll be saved. If you haven't done that, we want to to encourage you to do that this morning. If you're a child of God, unfaithful though, maybe you've been doing things or thinking things or saying things that have impacted your relationship to God and maybe even the relationship of others here And you want to say, I'm done with that. I I really want to do better. And I want my brethren to know, and I want them to pray for me, to help me. We'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.